Just before we start this week's show, I wanted to give a quick shout out to charityball.org. Earlier this week, I was approached by charityball.org via Twitter DM, uh, asking if I would help promote one of the drawings they are doing. They have a signed, a Southampton jersey signed by a number of players um, and acquired for them by Hugo Schechter. And normally I don't do stuff like this because I'm not always sure. It's it's hard to check and make sure that people are are legit. But uh, the fact that, that Hugo is is involved with this makes me uh, more willing to do it. And I, and I see some other people on there uh, as I read through it that I, that I recognize and respect and I feel comfortable now uh, kind of putting this out there. So uh, what they're doing is they are giving away a signed Jersey uh, for charity. So you make a donation, your name goes into uh, the drawing and you have a chance to win the Jersey signed. It's this, it's this year's home Jersey signed by a number of the players. And uh, if you don't know anything about charityball.org, basically what they do uh, is they give away and make sure that kids in poverty stricken areas have access to uh, high quality soccer balls. And it's a, it's kind of a cool thing and uh, it helps spread the game. And uh, after reading through their website, I'm I'm more than happy to kind of help promote this. So uh, the link to both their Twitter and the specific article uh, about this event, this giveaway, this this auction, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's not an auction, though. You make a donation and you're entered into uh, a drawing. So um, anyway, uh, that information is all in the show notes. So please, uh, if you're interested, uh, give it a listen, give it a look, uh, give it a read over. Um, I'm going to blame the length of this thing on on the jet lag. Um, but yeah, and the only other thing I have to say is uh, I forgot in the credits, once again, blame it on the jet lag, to thank Matt of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram uh, for doing the artwork for the show. So be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. In addition to checking out charityball.org. Uh, once again, all the links are in the show notes. And now here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. Um, and this is one of your first episodes. Maybe you joined us last week for the live episode with the guys from the, from the Ugly Inside and also the gentleman from uh, the London Saints to help celebrate 30 and 40 years, respectively, of, of being around and giving Saints fans a voice and uh, celebrating kind of everything that Saints are and going to await is and things like that. Um, th- welcome welcome to the show. If the, that was your first introduction, uh, most weeks it will be uh, slightly different than that, but it is nice to to get to meet uh, and, and work with and, and talk with in person uh, several of the people that I've that I've spoken with over uh, the year and a half that this podcast has been around. And um, this episode is also a first. 
Uh, on this episode, I spoke with a former player, spoke with Antony Amy, and many of you who have been around a while will know who Antony Amy is. You were around for his uh, career at Saints. Uh, you will recall the uh, talk sport caller incident, uh, the guy trying to figure out why he hadn't been capped by Scotland and all this stuff. Um, and, and and it's great. And Antony is uh, fantastic, and he was wonderful to give me so much of his time. Um, but I can just tell you that this is never something that I thought that I would be doing. I never thought that I would be um, interviewing uh, former players. I never thought that was kind of um, my place as a, as a newer Saints fan. And and what I mean by that is is the fact that I've only kind of been watching the team for the past you know three, four, five years. Um, I wasn't around to see Anthony Amy play. I wasn't uh, I, you know everything that I've seen from him comes from from highlight videos and things like that. And because of that, I never really have reached out to any, any former players. I've never tried to, uh, getting uh, any of them on. And and John who runs the the saints FC podcast, he does a lot of that. And I think it's great. And I always enjoy listening because I don't know those guys. I don't know those players. And so to hear them and to hear him get to talk about kind of, um, sometimes, you know, they're even older than, than he is. They played before he ever watched, but, uh, usually he gets to recall all these kind of incidences where he, watch them play and where he, you know, they, uh, these incidents were uh, stuck out in his mind uh, as he grew up and as they kind of had an impact on him. And, and, and that doesn't, I don't have that, you know, um, and someday down the line, I will, of course, uh, because I've been watching saints now for a few years. So of course, uh, as players start to retire, maybe we can do that. But, um, for that reason, this episode is something special, uh, probably not something that you will get a lot of from me, um, but still, uh, a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to talk to Anthony Amy, um, about, about, about his time as, as a professional, uh, and his time at saints. And, uh, I, I think it went, I think it went well. I can tell you that I, I, when I found out about this interview, um, because I didn't set it up, this was actually set up for me by, uh, Jamie Grant, who runs the saints report. Um, he did all the legwork. He put it all together. Um, and at the very end, it was kind of anti, this is Matt, Matt, this is anti, um, talk. And so it was, uh, we did, and it was great and it happened. It all happened really fast. So I had a, a very short amount of time to, uh, kind of read up on anti and, and look him up and uh, become familiar with his career. Uh, and that was a really, really fun experience for me. Cause like I said before, um, I didn't know much about him prior to that. And, um, now when you mentioned him, I mean, he even made the, the ugly insides, um, starting 11, the ugly inside 11 over the past 30 years, they chose him as, as their goalkeeper. So, uh, he, he was a wonderful shot stopper. You can look up, uh, all kinds of, uh, of YouTube videos on him stopping shots and doing things like that. Um, and, and it was great. So, um, I, I just really, really appreciate, uh, Auntie's time, uh, Jamie, thank you for setting it up. And I did reach out to a couple of people that I wanted to note here before we started the show. Um, Lee, Lee calendar, who is the, uh, goalkeeping coach and, and the assistant coach for, uh, Southampton women's football club. Um, he kind of led me down the path of, of asking some questions. And, and I also did talk to Michael Kern a little bit, uh, about this. So thank you to you two gentlemen as well. Um, as well as Jamie for, for kind of helping me out and getting me all kind of set up. And so I can tell you that what I did was I tried to to look up and, and read about some of the other interviews he had done. Uh, so I wasn't asking the same questions, try to build on some of those questions and, and being, you know, not a professional interviewer, somebody who tries to, to, to do it, uh, and tries to get better at it, but it is definitely not professional. You will see that, uh, some of my questions kind of fall kind of flat, but, um, I've left them in because auntie was nice enough to, to answer them and work with me. And so, uh, you know, this is basically, 
um, almost all uh, of the interview that we, that we had. So I, I chose not to cut very much of it out. And so, um, I had originally recorded this intro a long time ago, uh, kind of when I did the episode. Um, but now I am sitting here in my, my home. Uh, we have, we arrived home last night on our trip back from the UK. Um, I went to bed, I woke up this morning and now I'm sitting here doing this. Um, and it's back to work tomorrow, kind of back to normal. Um, so you can expect kind of more normal ish episodes. Um, at, at, we'll resume next week. So anyway, uh, I hope that you enjoy this. Uh, if you do, please let me know. If you don't, if you think that you know there were a lot of things that that could have gone better, uh, also let me know because that any kind of feedback is always good. And like I said, this is not necessarily something that I will aim to do a lot because I think John does a great job with that uh, over on the Saints FC podcast. But um, you know, sometimes opportunities present itself, and, and you have to kind of take them. And so um, that's what this is. And I hope that you enjoy it uh, as much as I enjoyed talking to Anthony Amy. So, so without further ado, here is my interview with Anthony Amy, former Saints goalkeeper, former Finnish national team goalkeeper, and still works with the Finnish national team uh, on, on a coaching level. So uh, here it is. I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, I'll talk to you on the other side of the interview. We'd like to welcome to the show, Antti Niemi, former goalkeeper for Finland. i uh, played a few years at Southampton as well. Uh, as well as other teams in in the UK and uh, all over Europe. So, uh, Antti, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me. Oh, thank you. No problem at all. No problem. Um, you mentioned you're living back in Finland. Uh, what's what's the weather like? That Europe has been, or England has been going undergoing some sort of uh, you know extreme cold front with some snow. But what's it look like for you right now? Yeah, it's been in UC as well that the UK is suffering a little bit at the moment. So um, we call it the normal normal weather here. Uh, it's been uh, it's actually been a pretty nice winter this year. Uh, I live in Helsinki, which is uh, it's uh, in southern part of Finland, so we don't necessarily get like uh, you know a proper winter like we do in, in northern part of Finland, where I'm actually originally from. And uh, this winter has been really nice. Over the last two weeks, we had a lot of snow, and uh, it's been you know my, between minus ten, minus twenty uh, for a couple of weeks. And I like it. I like four seasons, and that's one of the reasons I like living in Finland. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know sometimes it gets really cold. But uh, I have no problem with it. That negative twenty, and you're talking Celsius, right? Not Fahrenheit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, it, where I live, it's uh, you know, I basically don't own pants, so I don't know if I could hack it there. <laughs> no, you get used to it. It's, oh, it's no problem. We get proper clothing on, and you know, actually, uh, today it's only like minus ten, but it's really sunny and bright and nice. It's uh, you know, it's uh, in the summertime. It's obviously nice when it's like plus twenty, twenty-five, and, and sunny. But I, I really don't mind having a you know, a bit of cold, yeah, uh, cold weather because it's, uh, it's it's different. But it's um, well, you get used to it when you live when you when you're born when you're born here and you live here and you know, get used to it. And, now, for you, uh, I've noticed you like to be outdoors a lot, kind of looking at your Instagram a little bit. Um, so you guys are out and doing uh, stuff and being outdoors when you're, even when it's, when the weather's like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go for long walks and, you know, when the sea, even the sea, never mind the lakes, but even the sea fro- uh, freezes and, and then it's nice to walk over there. And, and in Finland, in general, I have a few people over from, uh, for example, from, from England to visit me and, you know, no matter if it's, uh, if it's summer or winter people do go you know they, they, they do sports and you know they go for walks and jogs and 
I'd like to think that Finnish people are quite active and, you know, outdoor people and, and uh, we have a beautiful nature. So all those people come over and they, they, they're wondering, like, you know, you see people everywhere just going for walks and, you know, for jobs and cross-country skiing and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, I'd like to think that, you know, Finnish people are quite active and I try to do the same. You know, I'm not getting any younger now. <laughs> so now that you're kind of in retirement now, but like what, what does a normal day look like for you now that you're not training each and every day? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not involved in the club football now. So I stayed in football. Um, I've done my UFIA license and UFA goalkeeping license. And I'm actually like, uh, I'm head of the goalkeeping education in, in Finnish FA. And uh, it's, it's a lot of work. And also not just the coaching education, but I'm, I've been with the Sydney national team for the last, oh gosh, seven, eight years now. And uh, you know, I spent roughly about 40 days a year with the, with the senior national team. And then on top of that, I have, you know, coaching education. Um, uh, yesterday, I spent the day watching uh, uh, boys under four teams, which is like the first age group that we're starting to like, not, well, scouting basically. And, you know, before that, it's... Uh, a bit different because they're so young, but uh, anything to do with goalkeeping, coaching education, uh, national teams, youth national teams, talent groups, that sort of stuff, I'm, I'm involved. Uh, it's a good job. I, I like it because, uh, you know, sometimes you have a little bit more time, you can have one or two weeks that you don't have that much work to do, and then you can have, you know, two or three weeks when there's literally every day something, something that, you, that needs to be done and uh, you know, I I was lucky enough to be a professional footballer, and uh, that's all I know basically. So uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying my life. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you you mentioned you kind of grew up in in northern Finland. Um, yes. And, yes. and with that, I'm sure, like, like you mentioned, the weather and things like that. But um, even with everybody being outdoors, were there a lot of opportunities for you to play uh, or engage in a number of sports growing up and outside of football, or was was it mostly just football? Yes, uh, I grew up in. Uh, the city called Oul, it's um, you know in northern part of Finland, and you know when we talk about the weather earlier, I remember going to uh, secondary school like when I was about fourteen, fifteen. We had we could have like uh, I remember one winter we had uh, two weeks spell when we had minus forty two, <laughs> and uh, that was cold. But we still managed to get into school, and you know it was all all good. But um, yeah, um, Oul, the city I'm from, it's a very uh, the football used to be or still is. It's a big thing, but uh, Finland in, in general and all especially is uh, ice hockey town as well. And uh, but ironically, I, I never played ice hockey, which is you know normally people talk about Finnish Finnish men. Everybody's tried ice hockey at some point, but it's I, I never I was never interested in ice hockey. I like to watch it nowadays, but I I, I never played ice hockey. But I, I tried different sports like you know uh, boxing, track and field, that sort of stuff. So we were really active at that time. But you have to remember that we're talking late seventies, early, early eighties, mid eighties. Uh, the world was different, you know, altogether. We didn't have any computers or right. you know mobile phones or anything like that. So we were spending our time literally. We were outside all the time and normally doing sports as well. So you know, it's a, it was a different world. Um, you, I don't know if you know, there's a, there's a, another, another goalie, but a hockey goalie by the same name uh, as you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's so, a, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when, um, somebody was mentioning your name, I, I'm growing up in America, I've, I've seen him around for a long time. I'm not a huge hockey fan, but he's, he's fairly well known. And it was like, you know, I had to, I had to do some Googling and, and make sure I was talking about the right person before I, I look like a, a real, real idiot. But, um, 
um, but where where does football stand now in relation to ice hockey in terms of of where you know, what people do in Finland is is football uh, kind of one of those one of the top sports or is it is it well below ice hockey or how does that work out in Finland for you? Yeah, football is. Uh, I think it's the biggest sport if you if you look at the numbers. Or it is definitely it is the biggest sport and it's growing up all the time. You know, more more and more kids are playing football nowadays, and it's always been a, you know a pretty big thing in Finland. Um, but obviously, we have to compete with ice hockey and floorball and track and field and Formula Ones and and you know that sort of stuff. So we are a bit different from you know from some other countries where football is like the absolute number one and then there's a big gap and then maybe something else but you know it's um, it's, a, it's a bit of a different situation in Finland and uh, I think ice hockey if you if you ask average man on the street what is the national sport in Finland quite a few would say ice hockey but still I would like to think and I know for a fact that uh, football is, is, is the biggest sport in Finland but you know I don't mind I like ice hockey and I think it's Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, as you were kind of growing up and, and your football career was starting to take shape, um, were there was there anybody uh, in football or outside of football that you really looked up to and, and used kind of as as inspiration? Well, uh, since I grew up in like uh, they, they won the Finnish league back in seventy nine ninety. Uh, sorry, seventy nine eighty. Uh, Couple of years in a row, and uh, they're not playing in the in a, in a Finnish Premier League at the moment. But you know, they they were the best team in Finland at the time, which was quite funny because you know normally the league was one you know Helsinki or somewhere else. But that's one of the reasons probably why I started to play football because you know the old like the the people you used to look up to, you know, they were living in your own city and winning games, and and uh, my cousins were playing football, and you know that's probably why I started to play football. And, uh, you know, so my hometown team was probably the first, you know, footballing team I was following. And then Liverpool was doing really well at the time. They were ruling the Europe, like, you know, winning, winning the Cups and all that. And they were a big team. And, and Premier League has always been big in Finland, or Finnish football. You know, I remember those black and white TV Saturday afternoons when there was like, you know, always English football on telly. And uh, so that's probably my first memory from football anyway. And uh, obviously later on, when I was a little bit older, uh, Jean-Marie Puff was my first goalkeeping idol. He was a Belgian goalkeeper, doing really well. Uh, and then a little bit later, Peter Schmeichel, when he, when he was playing for Denmark. And then obviously after that, there were so many, not uh, too many to mention. Really. So as you kind of began to, to play, and, and when did your professional career really start? And when, when did you realize that you maybe had a career in, in the professional game and this could be your, your, your life, essentially? Yeah, it's a question that's been asked from me quite often. And uh, like I said earlier, like I grew up in the 70s and, you know, I was teen nearly like mid-80s. And uh, at the time we had, you know, a couple of players playing in Sweden. So for me, when I was playing football and, and playing football when I was a kid and, and a young young man, it, it was never an option to be a, a professional footballer. So I'd, I'd love to give you an answer that, when I was 12 or 13, I gave everything football so that I could become a, you know, a Premier League player. But that that wasn't the case. I would be lying if I said so. Um, you know, I was just having fun with my friends and playing football and doing uh, 
different sports and it was a normal life for me. But I would, like, I would say if you ask me, but when did you realize that you could make a living out of football or, or move abroad to play football? I was probably 18, 19 because uh, I got into the Finnish under 21s when I was about 19. So I was a little bit younger than most of the players. And uh, and uh, we, we had some good results. We beat Sweden and we beat France away. I remember the team, they had players playing in the French League and, you know, a couple of like big names. And uh, that was probably the first time when I was about 19, 20, that I realized that, you know, I'm in a team where we beat France and Sweden and we're, we're competing well against really good players. Why not? And that's, that's early 90s and football changed its role and we had more players playing abroad. So, you know, probably when I was about 20, I thought I was already playing in the Finnish League, but I, I don't count that as a professional footballer. Even if it was a full-time, you know, not not job, but I was playing football full-time. I was doing some studies, but football was my thing, and I was playing at the highest level in Finland. But to play abroad and be a professional footballer and, you know, playing in England, that, that never crossed my mind until I was about 20, 20. That's, that's what I would say. So, so what was it like for you then to move when you moved from um, the team in Helsinki that you played for for a number of years over to FC Copenhagen? Was that was that a difficult transition in terms of of just yes. culture and level of yes. play and everything else? Yes, everything included. And I wasn't looking back when I'm I'm, I'm four to six in a few months and looking back into your career and you know what you used to be as a human being. You know, it was a pure luck that I ended up in FC Copenhagen. Our the, the FA president, who sadly passed away last year, um, he, he he played in in Denmark when he was younger, and uh, FC Copenhagen was just it's a new club. You know, it, it it wasn't the club that FC Copenhagen is at the moment. That at the moment they're probably the biggest club in in Scandinavia, and uh, but they were like a new club in Copenhagen, and 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 uh, they had a goalkeeper who was injured, and they were really panicking, and they called the the ally, the, the gentleman I just mentioned. That uh, is there any Finnish goalkeepers playing in Finland that we could get, you know, in quickly? And he mentioned my name, and you know, things went from there. They kind of trusted his word, and I got there and I played there for a season and a half. But the, the, the beginning was really, really tough for me because uh, at the time Finnish league wasn't the best, uh, and Danish football was light years ahead of us, like in, in every single department. And uh, so it, it wasn't. Uh, I got there, I played, I had a good game, I had a bad game. So I was very inconsistent and uh, I probably didn't quite understand what, you know, a real professional football is about. Uh, but at the end, you know, the second season, I played the whole season. I got watches for, you know, by the fans as a play of the year and I had some good games in there and, uh, and I was lucky enough to move forward. Yeah. And, and the next move came over to Rangers. Is that correct? Yes. And it's a funny story. You know, this is, uh, you know, education for every single footballer around the world because you need luck as well. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was playing for FC Copenhagen, but I was very uh, inconsistent. I had a good game, bad game, good game, bad game, a decent game. And I know the game that they came to see, but they weren't there. Glasgow Rangers wasn't there to watch me. They were watching one of our midfield players. And I remember the game, and we played against Burnbury, which is a local derby. I think it was a League Cup semi-final. And I had a, you know... <laughs> wonderful game. We beat them. I think we finished 2-0. But we could have easily lost the game. I made some, you know, I, I really had luck on my side on that day and I managed to make some good saves in that game. And uh, apparently they thought that, you know, 
they have all the money in the world and this kid looks good and you know we might need you know another coach and I ended up in there. But that's another story. Actually, I, I went to UK uh, and I kind of agreed to sign for Coventry. And the Rangers came in in the last second. I was having breakfast with my agent in in Coventry in a hotel about to go to the Coventry Stadium to sign off the papers. <laughs> and uh, I got, my agent got a phone call from Glasgow Rangers saying that you know has to sign yet, and it's like no, but in about two hours a year. And I was sitting in the table, I was watching him like what's happening, and he was like, yep, 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 okay, okay, I'll speak to him. And then he said that you know we have a bit of problem, a positive problem because Rangers has called and they, they, you know they want you as well. So I said to my agent that you know fly up and I'm not going there. I, I'll stay here, but you can go and listen what they have to say. And then he came back saying no, I can now, when you made the decision to go to Rangers, you didn't mm. you didn't have as many appearances uh, and things like no. that. What you know? At any point, did you feel like maybe you made the wrong decision, or do you did you do you look back on it and say that was a real learning experience, or how do you remember that time yeah. that you were at Rangers? Uh, I remember it well because you have to remember that the Glasgow Rangers at the time it was it was top top club and still is it's a wonderful big club, but they had some you know problems you know in the last few years, but they're, they're back now, which is I'm really happy about. Um, but yes, to answer your, your questions, yes, I, I had some regrets later on. You know, the first year, the idea was that Walter Smith, who was the manager there, you know, Andy Bollum, you know, he wasn't getting any younger and he had a lot of injuries and he was still playing well. I think one of the ideas was, that, uh, you know, after the first season, let's see what happens. Maybe this guy can, you know, take his place and so on. But um, then... Uh, Walter left and the big double that came in and he brought in his own goalkeepers and, you know, it was very difficult for me. So I decided to move on and I went to a smaller club in, in Scotland, which was um, Hearts from Edinburgh. And uh, that, that's definitely a decision I never regretted. I had some, you know, great plans in there and that made me the footballer that you know, I became. But yeah, the Glasgow Rangers, I'm not regretting that I, you know, managed to play, you know, 20, 20 odd games for them because it is a wonderful club. But Purely professionally looking, you know, back, uh, I probably could have done something else. But, you know, it's very hard when you're 23, 24 and, you know, Glasgow Rangers comes in. And, and you have to remember that it was a massive club full of international stars at the time. So it was very difficult to say no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when you moved to Hearts, what what was different about that? What, you know, was it just that uh, there wasn't a manager there that had brought in all of their own, like you were the guy that they were bringing in kind of, or or what, you know, because you, you had a lot more appearances and you seem to really, uh, reading reading back through some of the things that you mentioned about Hearts, you seem to really, really enjoy your time there. Um, yeah. and, and so like, what, what was different there? Well, well, it was a smaller club where we had a great team spirit. We had some decent teams. I joined the, the, the team when we, I think they were ninth in the league. And we ended up third. And the same happened next year. We, we, we finished third in the league, which was, you know, the, the mini championship because everybody knew what the top two teams are going to be every year, uh-huh. you know, Celtic and Rangers. And, and uh, well, I went there because I remember when they called and, and Dick Arbogad asked me to his office and he said that uh, we had an offer from Hearts. Uh, and he said to me, he was, he was a fantastic coach. He was really strict and almost like scary sometimes but he was very honest and that's that's a good quality any, any manager he said that Ante, I think you're a good goalkeeper but you're not going to play there until uh, unless there's a lot of injuries so you have he, he said that I think you should go somewhere somewhere else so you can show the people how good you are and that that kind of like you know I didn't think about it you know for, for too long I realized that if I want 
if I wanted to make a, a, a like a, a good career, I have to take maybe one step back and play football. Because after all, we were staying, we were playing in the same league, so people would see me. Right. And uh, you know, I, that was probably the one single decision I made during my career that really, you know, it was a big one. And uh, you know, after that, you know, I spent two and a half years in, you know, Hearts, and I, I can honestly say that I have purely, purely good memories from my time in there, on and off the pitch. All right, all right. And then comes the move to to Southampton, right? Uh, after mm. after your time at Hearts, and when when you made that move, what I guess going in going from the Scottish Premier League to the English Premier League, or uh, yeah, it, it, what for you? I guess what what was the level of competition that was different? Uh, what you know, what were you thinking when you were coming into into Southampton, and and kind of what was it? What you expected once you once you got on the pitch? Um, I, I was. And, well, first of all, when I had a phone call that you know the club agreed to sell me to Southampton, I was obviously happy because that that was doing so well in Scotland for the last two and a half years. I knew that I could do the job if I get if I get another chance. And uh, but obviously it's, it's a bit of a I was nervous. I was I was thinking how will this go because this is the top league. Obviously, just a normal feeling that any player would have. Uh, but I was quite confident that you know, and actually. When I started playing for Southampton, uh, somebody asked me after a couple of games, like, it started really well, you know, I had a team seat against Charlton and so on, and I took my place as a number one. Uh, somebody asked me, like, how does it feel? Like, you know, is it, is it more difficult? And I was like, it sounds funny, but it's not, because the, your own players, defenders mainly, they're doing the right things, and the strikers, they're doing the right things. So it's actually a little bit more easier to read the game. And, and you have to remember that we had, a, as a centre-half, we had people like, Michael Svensson, uh, Klaus Lundekwam, and I was mainly, my strength was shot-stopping and making like reaction saves and that sort of stuff. So I wasn't very like dominating goalkeeper. I wasn't tall. I had to rely on my, you know, how should I describe it, like skills to stop the ball. Uh, and I had two centre-halves who were really good in the air and the chemistry was working really well. So I knew my role. The centre-halves knew their role. They know they knew when I was coming out from my goal and when I was staying on the line, and mainly I was staying on the line. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a big thing, but you know the, the chemistry was there, and uh, so I found it slightly more easier to play in a Premier League than in Scottish, you know, Premier League. Which sounds, I know, it sounds a bit tough, but that's how I felt. You know, it was more logical, even if the players were, you know, a little bit better and so on. No, that I think to me that makes sense because you learn, you know, this is where everybody should be. This is what the center half should be doing. You know. Uh, this is what the forward is yeah. trained to do. And if everybody does that, then you have an, some idea. But if everybody's just kind of running around crazy, uh, kind of chickens the head <laughs> cut off, it's, it's much it's it's much more difficult to predict. So uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, second spot time. Now, you played, I think you had more uh, official appearances for Southampton than any other club that you played for during your career. Uh, and it's pretty close. I with think some of the so. I think it, at heart, I had something like, yeah, I, I really can't remember, but I, I would say roughly the same amount, hundred and twenty something for both okay. clubs. Now, do you? I, I like no, it, it's uh, the numbers are always every every website has different numbers, yeah. so who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But when you when you think back about your time there, do you remember that time as being any different than than any other places, or is it you know is it just are all of these kind of clubs? Because you didn't. It's not like you played for you know, 15 different clubs, you played for a, a kind of a smaller number, but 
do you remember yeah. Southampton being any kind of different or or no? No, I, I enjoyed it. Like, you know, I, I had great memories from Southampton. Obviously, you know, I, I was there for three and a half years and, you know, the, the, the last season of Wood played in the Premier League, we got relegated. So it was really pity because I'm still, I'm still like a bit ashamed and, you know, I'd be guilty about it that we couldn't stay in the Premier League. But thank God they're back in a, you know, a good time and doing well. So, um, but I remember because Southampton is not a, like a complex London or Glasgow or something. It's quite a small place, to be honest. And the football was a big, big thing there. And, you know, when we were walking about, people recognized us and so on. And it was a big thing for, for the city. And uh, when I got to the team, you know, the last, well, quite a few years before that, they were always struggling a little bit. Like, you know, they were fighting against the relegation. Then, you know, Letizia came in and scored a goal and they stayed up. That was the picture. That's how people saw Southampton. Uh-huh. And uh, we actually, in the first two seasons, we did pretty well. I think we did really well, if you think about, this, about the competition. You know, we finished, I think, 7th or 8th, I think 8th and 12th. If we do, then we had the top final and everything. So there was a, you know, the, the whole city was enjoying it, not, not just us, you know, the players and the, the coaches and stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm looking back and, you know, inspiring. Now, I have here in my notes, you kind of had both extreme highs and lows, because as you mentioned, you had the, the cup yeah. final, you had the high league finishes, and then you had that 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 season where you were relegated, and then you stayed with them when they uh, went down to um, the second division, uh, and then eventually you left mm. for, for Fulham. But um, if we can pause kind of here and, and talk about, um, talk a little bit about Saints and just, just that time, um, you... You mentioned when you let, when you were leaving Fulham, you you did an interview with their media team about uh, kind of your time at all these clubs, and you know you said that that Saints at that time were lacking maybe a little bit of leadership in the dressing room, uh, somebody to kind of shake things up and wake everybody up and let them know that you know they were fighting against relegation. And you know, looking back on that, at that point in your career, you were kind of in your thirties, I think. Um, and and do you? I mean. I don't, I don't want to put this on you, but do you feel like a little bit of guilt, a little bit of responsibility? Like maybe that was that somebody should have stepped up or, or what was it that, that didn't happen when you guys were there? Yeah. The, the, the whole, the whole season, it, it was like, you know, after the two good seasons we had before and then Gordon Strachan left and anybody who's met Gordon Strachan, he's a, he's a tiny guy, but he's got a great awe about him. He's a, he's a big character and he was the real leader and he set up the standard every single day in the training sessions and you know when we went to the game he was always saying that be the best teammate you can be to your friend and you know that's all like basic stuff and we, we didn't have the best players we had some talent like Wayne Bridge and you know change beat and stuff like that but we didn't have any star names so we were doing really well and uh, you know when he left which was really really big point for me personally because I, I, I really like Gordon Strachan and and then obviously the uh, when well two names that I mentioned earlier we, we lost you know when Bridge and James Beatty and you know it was a bit of a mess you know going into that third season so I was I was expecting some sort of troubles you know I was expecting a very difficult season never thinking that we would go down which really happened but yeah uh, when it, yeah it, I think it's more like you know when when you're losing a lot of games and and uh, what I meant about the um, you know lacking the leadership and because everybody's confidence was down and I, when I look Premier League now and I see you know the club being at the bottom the whole season I know exactly how they're feeling and he's trying to do everything he can and then you know doesn't work out it's just their confidence thing really and we have some you know 
players in the dressing room that you could say, be involved. I have to say that I, I, I lost my confidence, self-confidence during that season because I had a few seasons and then, you know, the, the, the team wasn't performing and, you know, I had some games that I should have done better. And, you know, it's just a, it's a big, big, big circle that goes around, you know, all the things affect on other things. And it's just a nightmare the whole season, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, that's one of the seasons that I'm, well, the only season really that I look back into and say, you know, that, you know, if I any chance to wipe the out, then I will do it. But, you know, that, that, that happened and, you know, there's nothing we can do about it anymore. And, uh, right. um, about your question, like, do I feel guilt? Yes, of course I do because, you know, I wasn't a, a junior player anymore. Maybe I could have done more. But then again, I have to say that I was never, uh, if you talk about leaders, you know, it's something that you're bored with, like Gordon Slacken. It's very difficult to explain that some people have that. And I, I, I'm very laid back. I'm very like, you know, before I went onto the pitch, I was yawning and, you know, I wasn't shouting or screaming. I was, I'm always the same, you know, I'm same at home that I'm, you know, before the, going into the game that like, you know, when there's 50,000 people watching, there's no difference. It doesn't come naturally from me. I'm not that kind of guy. And uh, maybe looking, you know, answering your question, maybe we should have had one or two people in in the team that, you know, were different from me or from some other players. All right. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but no, I, I think it was, I, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. No, no, you're, you're, you're great. I'm sometimes I, I think I, I go on too long with the question. I should just ask a question and let you let you answer instead of talking for so long. But I'm sorry. <laughs> still, no still, still new at this. So, um, but okay. So, like looking, you know, you you mentioned uh, when we were talking setting this up that you you know you pay attention to the Saints' results, but it, you, they're down there in the bottom of the table. There are a lot of similarities to uh, you know the time your time there. They had some some really high finishes. They've reached a Cup final. They're going uh, deep in the FA Cup this year. Uh, but we're down towards the bottom of the table. Um, do you do you think they they kind of have what it takes to to get out of the relegation zone now? I mean, uh, a lot of their you know at the at, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think there's three teams in the league that are worse than Southampton at the moment. I, I'm I'm hoping and I'm confident that they they won't get relegated this year. They have they have too much talent in the team. That's my honest opinion, and uh, I. I, I Sincerely hope that I'm right. I'm, I'm confident. I would be very surprised if they go down. All right. Um, I do have one question. You mentioned Peter Schmeichel earlier. Um, mm. When, you know, having kind of, I don't know if you looked up to him or, or but he was definitely one of those guys that everybody knew. Uh, he's one of those kind yeah. of goalkeeping kind of, you know, legends, I guess. And what what was describe what it was like the first time you lined up in the tunnel across from him you know you're now you're stepping on the same yeah. pitch as, as him what what's going through your head how do you feel at that moment looking over and seeing uh peter schmeichel there it was surreal he was end of his career he was playing for uh and thank god i managed to get on the same pitch with him because he was my hero and uh I remember it really, really well. When when you when you're 45 and you, you play quite a few games and you look back, you, you don't remember all the games and you know how they finished and how it went and so on. But I still remember it was like yesterday. We were I hadn't played too many games for Southampton at all. I think it was our first season there. And uh, uh, he was playing for Man City and we had a home game against them. And we were already in a tunnel. Our team was in a tunnel waiting for Man City to come out from their dressing room. And then they came out and I was like trying to act cool because I knew who was coming in two seconds. He was going to stand next to me. And I'm just this like, newcomer, like, you know, basically nobody. And I was going 
throwing on the pitch with my with my you know childhood hero and you know easily one of the best goalkeepers ever. And I was so nervous because I was trying to act really cool, like you know, okay, you know, what is he coming? Hurry up, we've got a game to play. And uh, then he comes out and stands next to me. And I, I, I couldn't bear to like turn first because normally goalkeepers they always you know shake hands and say like, good luck because it's kind of a goalkeeping thing. And, and uh, so he came to me and tapped my shoulder and said, good luck, Auntie. And that was like for two seconds, I was like, shit, I'm not sure if I can say that one. I'm yeah, you're fine, you're fine. And I was literally, I was, I was literally thinking, oh my God, Peter Schmeichel knew my name. <laughs> so I turned, I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, good luck, Peter, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, I still remember like it was yesterday, like, you know, I was so nervous. And then he was so nice and he was like, he knew my name. And we were like, I, I remember thinking when I when we actually stepped from the tunnel onto the pitch and we hear the crowd and everything, I was thinking, okay, Auntie, now you, you read something. You've done something with your life. And it was a wonderful feeling. And then he had a blind. I remember the game after the finish, <laughs> and he made like 12 unbelievable saves. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to get to this level. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's, a, he's an older guy now playing for Man City and, you know, he's still making those saves. Like, you know, I remember that game. He was fantastic in that game. So it was, a, you know, wonderful memory. Now, when, it, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about the, the FA Cup final. Um, there's always that thing out there about you having yeah. to, to come off, uh, you know, yeah, making no the problem. cup final and that you, you, you come up with a calf injury and have to be subbed off. But like, what, can you describe what it was like to, to play in the final? And in, in the, I know it wasn't at Wembley. It was yeah. in, it was in Cardiff, but what, what was that like? Yeah, it was brilliant. The whole season was nice. And then, you know, the, the cup final just, you know, capped it off. Um, I was, I was, uh, we knew that after the last game of the season, I had, I needed a knee surgery. I had a problem with my meniscus and my ligament. And I was talking to the, I, I, I think it was the last game of the season in Charleston. I, I didn't play in that game, uh, because I wanted to save my knee. And then we made the decision that, you know, I was speaking to the doctor and, you know, the medical staff. And I was like, I really, I, I want to play. I need to play in this game. I, you know, it's a cough and I won't miss it. And they were like, auntie, you're going to a surgery. Like, you know, it's, you know, think twice. But I said, no, 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 no. There's no option. Do whatever you need to do. And then, you know, see what happens. And uh, they injected my knee before the game. Uh, to, I don't know what the word is like to make it numb so that the, the pain wasn't there. Uh-huh. And they obviously when you inject something in, in your joint, you know, the human body is quite, you know, funny to react. And I, I didn't have any feelings during the game. I was, you know, enjoying the game, the atmosphere. Uh, I was, if I remember right, I made some things like, you know, I was having a good day. And then it was a goal kick and I just, there was no feelings whatsoever. Everything was fine. And then my calf just went bang and it was because of the, you know, the injection and whatever. Right. And uh, then I had the surgery next week. And, you know, the cup final itself, I remember the first memory I had like, was the, the press conference a few days before the cup final. And there was like this sea of microphones in front of us. Like, you know, there was microphones and you see these all these like the, um, the markings and the, you know, the adverts and everything from all over the world. And then you realize how big the FA Cup is. Like, you know, there was people from all over the world coming into the UK and followed up. And all the media and, and that sort of stuff. And then I remember going onto the pitch, not on the warm up, like, you know, when we got to the stadium and we were, you know, inspecting the pitch and just walking about and enjoying the atmosphere. And you know, the Saints end was pretty much getting full. It was like yellow, it was like a sea of yellow. And the Arsenal fans on the other side of the stadium obviously is massive, the Millennium Stadium. And, but I wasn't nervous at all. I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be here, no matter what happens. 
And I think that the fact that you know Arsenal was you know, it was the best team in the country at the time, and mm-hmm. and uh, that they were the clear favourites, but we gave them a good game, and you know with a bit of a luck, we could have you know, they maybe scored you know one goal at the end, and you know, but they they were probably the better team on the day, and you know. Uh, but I, I remember just I, I remember enjoying the whole day, the whole experience. It's, it's, uh, it's a great memory. Yeah, yeah. Now I I know we're running out of time, so I don't I won't I won't take up very much more of it. And just kind of moving on to your career at Fulham, um, when when the wrist injury happened, and eventually you had to retire. At that point in your mind, did you think you could still continue to play? Had it not been for the injury, or or when? You know, when do you think you yeah. would have stopped doing it if it wouldn't have been for the injury? Yeah, I, I spent a couple of seasons with Fulham, and the last, you know, the first season I went there in, I think it's November, and then next season, and then we had a really difficult one. And the last season I played in, in the Premier League, you know, I started as a number one, but I had so many injuries. Like I had uh, my shoulder was getting injected every other week, and my back was hurting, and my Achilles tendon was and the, that was getting injected and I remember during the season and we we, we had a, a similar season to the you know with Southampton where we got relegated you know we had a couple of decent seasons and then you know the final one we were struggling big time there was managed changes and all that and then Roy Hobson came in and saved the club and uh, you know I lost my place you know a few games before the season ended I think uh, Kevin Keller played the last you know about 10 games and and, uh, and then they signed in the summer I had another Another season left in my contract, and they signed uh, 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 you have to edit this blackout. They signed the uh, Mark. Come on, the Australian goalkeeper. I, I can't. I can't remember. Yes, you can. He played for Middlesbrough and uh, Fulham for a long time. I was not my trust him. Anyway, well, they signed another goalkeeper, and and uh, we were. So I was talking with my wife, like you know, I had the wrist injury, which was going to take. The doctor said that it's five or six months before I'm back into the training, and we're talking pre-season here. So I thought I'm going to miss half the season anyway. We got a new number one in, and uh, you know, last year my contract. And the kids were getting into the age where they were thinking with my wife that maybe it would be time to move into Finland and they could start their school in Finland. And uh, and that's how we came up with the decision. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit. Playing a little bit earlier than I was planning, but you know you can't do anything with injuries. They happen, and right. you know sometimes they make the decisions. They make easier for you. But uh, it was funny when I when I when we had everything agreed with Fulham. Uh, I had a couple of phone calls from you know pre-season club saying that you know don't quit yet. Uh, you know we'd like to have the year and blah blah blah. And I was like no 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 it's done. It's, you know that's me. And it wasn't really you know it was more more stuff like you know the football inside and being injured a lot in the last you know, season and having a difficult season like, you know, I wasn't enjoying the training because I went on the all. I remember every morning I walked on the training pitch and I was thinking, damn, you know, I'm hurting my activities, whatever, you know, it wasn't it wasn't fun anymore. And, you know, that, that kind of made up yeah, mind for, my, for me. Yeah. That was it. I, I think it was a good time to be, I, I reckon, I, I've spoken to quite a few players like, you know, who are struggling like, their knees or with their hips or with their ankles and all sorts of troubles and they 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 had after the after after they stopped playing and quite a few have said that they could go back in time they probably would have not played the last season because the injuries were worse. Right. So I think it was you know it's just something in me says that it was a you know probably a decent time to stop playing 
Yeah. All right. And uh, was it was it Schwarzer? Mark Schwarzer? Is that the guy that, that came in? Yes. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, because I played with Mark's uh, Crossley. So they always mixed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. That's him. All right. Yeah. And, and then just a, just a few more things. I, I know that you moved into, into coaching and, um, I, I didn't ask all the fans to give me questions, but, uh, there's a guy named Lee who is a, 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 a coach, a, a goalkeeping coach. And, um, I asked one of his questions already cause I already had it in there. Um, but in your opinion, kind of as you're coaching players, like what, what makes a, a goalkeeping coach? Um, effective or, or good at their job? Is there is there a couple of things that you could you can point out that either helped you or the things that you try to do with players that you coach? Yeah, I think uh, as a coach, you always have to, just like as a player, you have your strengths and weaknesses. There are very few coaches that I come across in the last 20 years that I can say that he, he can do everything. He's brilliant and everything. So I think first you have to recognize your strengths. It might be... Um, uh, well, anything, it could, could be anything. And then I think you need to be open-minded. You need to be motivated. Uh, you have to listen to different people. You have to be able to work with the other coaches because, you know, the football has changed over the last 10, 15 years. It's not like you have your goalkeeping coach and then you have the head coach and the assistant. Like It's always about the team. You know, when you're playing, it's about your teammates. And when you're coaching, it's about the team, you know. And, and, and you have to have the chemistry to work together so you can bring out the best from the players. And uh, goalkeeping, I think, goalkeeping coaching, it's not, I think there's a lot of people and a lot of coaches, goalkeeping coaches who can have a big session, like, you know, anyone can kick the ball and, you know, make the goalkeeper make saves, but you have to have the eye for the, you know, how can you correct things and you have to demonstrate and stop and you have to plan your sessions so that you can say afterwards that I think the goalkeeper learned something. It might, might, might be a minor little thing, but that's the always target before the session. I'm going to make sure that this goalkeeper realizes things during this session and, and he's going to be a little bit better after this session. That's that's the idea. It doesn't always happen, but you know, planning is everything and you know that's that's how you make results. But then again, you have to remember that the, the time period to, to develop a good goalkeeper Let's say if you start, you know, when when the goalkeeper is, let's say, 15, you know, it's, a, it's at least it takes four, five, six years when, when you can say that, you know, you can see the results and so on. So you need to be patient and work hard and, and uh, set a target where you want this goalkeeper to be because all the goalkeepers are, you know, they're different. Something works, some, some things work for this goalkeeper, but, you know, you have to treat this goalkeeper a little bit different. It is different strength and he needs more work on this so it's not easy but then you have your own idea about you know coaching and what sort of goalkeepers you want to improve uh, produce you know and you plan your sessions and your long-term long-term plans then suddenly it's a little bit easy is that yeah, no, that's great that's fantastic <laughs> um so you let's see the game your, your game starts as soon as i have i have one more question i'll skip everything else no um, problem so, you know, you go fishing quite often, uh, you know, um, I do. Yes. I love it. If, if you could pick one person, whether it's from your career or whether it's now kind of in the world of football and you could put them out there with you on the boat, you know, for the, the number of hours you're out there just to talk about whatever it is, uh, who is that person that you would like to, that maybe you haven't had to, maybe you haven't had the, uh, the opportunity to speak to in a long time or at all. Who would that person be? Oh dear. Just one person. Well, I'm not, I have a tiny boat, so maybe one person is not, but uh, there are so many. I, I have to say that, you know, I've been really lucky to get, you know, a lot of people that I respect, and I think they're wonderful human beings, human beings on and off the pitch. 
Um, so many good friends I've made over the years. Uh, but it would have to be someone who's into fishing. And I know Paul Gascoigne is really into fishing, or at least he was. And uh, he's had a lot of, you know, problems when he stopped playing football. It's all well documented. But uh, And we, I had pleasure to share a dressing room with him at Glasgow Rangers for one season, even if I was a young boy and he was a you know, world-famous star. But I would like to speak to him and go fishing, which love fishing, and, you know, just say that and tell him that, you know, he's okay and we have our problems different kind of problems, you know, and hopefully he will, he will, he will have a good life from now on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Auntie, I cannot, I cannot thank you enough for your time here, uh, for being willing to talk with some random dude from California. Um, I appreciate no it. No problem. Uh, I like this, you know, Southampton thing. So I'm yeah. always and, happy to And I, and I hope, I hope that it wasn't, just the same old questions. I hopefully I asked you something different, made you think no, a little no, bit. No, no, so. no. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no. It's all good. Good questions and you know, good different. Good, good. And, uh, yeah, it was good. All right. And um, one thing for you, for Finland, what's the biggest? What's what's your biggest rivalry in terms of of when you guys are playing with the national team? Who who's who's the team you have to beat? Is it is it Norway or Sweden or Denmark or or somebody else? Yeah, well, we we don't really have like you know. For example, like Scotland and England, we don't have that sort of, but our neighbors really, I would have to say that when we play Sweden or Russia, there's always something, you know, the history with Russia, you know, uh-huh. being part of them for a long time. And then, you know, the, all the, you know, the wars and everything, you know, Russia is probably one of the favorites. And then Sweden, obviously, used to be part of Sweden as well. And, right. you know, they, they think, they think we are kind of like little brothers and uh, <laughs> brothers and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, those two countries, I think it's normal, like, you know, when it's your neighbor. This has been fantastic for me, and I just hope you had a, a decent time, and, and I thank you again. No problem. I enjoyed that. No right. worries. My pleasure. All right. Thank, thank you so much, and I, hopefully I didn't make you late for the game. <laughs> no worries. All right. Okay. Thank oh, you. Bye-bye. See you later. Yes. Bye-bye. that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. Once again, special thanks to Antti for joining the show, for taking the time out of his day to uh, to work with me, to talk with me, uh, to put up with my um, atrocious questioning at times. Uh, I really do appreciate it, and I think the listeners do as well. Special thanks this week goes to Jamie Grant, who runs Saints Report, which is the partner of this podcast. But Jamie did a lot of legwork to make this episode happen. Uh, it would not have happened without him. Special thanks this week also goes to Lee Callender, coach, uh, assistant coach, and goalkeeping coach at Southampton Women's FC uh, for helping me kind of frame this, uh, and Michael Kern as well for helping me come up with some questions uh, to make this a little bit more manageable for for me and hopefully a better listen for you. Um, and now for the normal stuff. All music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. The links to those are in the show notes if you are at all interested. Make sure you check them out. Antony Amy doesn't use Twitter. He is on Instagram. The link is in the show notes if you're interested in following him. You can follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Instagram and Twitter. And we're at Facebook.com forward slash SFCDELIVERY. Uh, Check it out if you're interested. 
To make sure you don't miss next week's episode, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Uh, just simply search Delivery with Two L's or click one of the links in the show notes and that will help you out. If you've been listening to the show for some time and you are enjoying it, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It really does help spread the show uh, to other people. And as always, share it with uh, a fellow Saints fan. Um, that also helps as well. Uh, lastly, before we go, thank you to everybody who helped make my trip to the UK so special. Uh, I had a fantastic time in London uh, and in Southampton. It was a pleasure to see the stadium. Uh, my daughter particularly enjoyed the, uh, the women's match that we got to see. So uh, with all that being said, until next time, remember that together we march on.